Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. I'm welcoming you back after a month hiatus, and I apologize for welcoming you back with this new weird voice. It's a little sultry and sensual, but it is a result of me choosing to not be silent and reflective and instead be loud, maybe yelling and screaming and crying and and not holding myself back from reaction. So there you have it in a nutshell. Um, Last time I left you, I told you I wanted to talk about obligation relation. So one of the reasons the whole obligation relationship idea doesn't sit well with me is because it pushes back against what I know is the right way to relate to humanity in that obligation relations stipulates because you're my mom or dad, because you're my child, because you're my sister, because you're this person with this label that is connected to me in this life, I owe you relationship. But my mentality rests in the idea that we are all connected to a greater oneness. And we are not so much obligated, but the understanding and idea that we can relate to anyone. And so first what this does is this creates a border or a parameter around relationship. I owe relationship to certain people because of certain label attachments. But random people that I have not yet affixed a label to, I owe no relationship to. And for me, that says something's wrong with that. So what I also believe is that God wants us to choose God. We don't owe God worship and relationship. We have to discover why we want relationship with God. God wants us to choose, right? That's why we have free will. And so when I put all these ideas together that I value and that I believe is the way to be and the way to relate to people, obligation relation contradicts that because it takes away choice. I did not choose my parents. I did not choose my sisters. I did not choose my in-laws. Yet, I owe them relationship. Now, I know people would say, but come on, that's your mom, that's your dad, they give you life, they brought you up, they took care of you, they raised you. Yes, but let me ask you this, was that obligation relationship? Because I had this child, I am therefore responsible. And a lot of times we have that mentality when we parent, I owe this child this. This child deserves this because I brought this child into the world because I created the world. We set up an obligation relationship with our own children, right? And and we don't recognize it as that, but that's really what it is. Because what kind of people would we be to just like have have babies and and leave them in alleys the way that 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 cats do, right? And and cats don't really always abandon their litters anyway, so that's a poor example, but it's not what we do. We take care of our our young but we are obligated to it. We have a responsibility to it. And whether or not we had a quote unquote choice in it, we have to maintain that relationship because it's the right thing to do, because it's the humane thing to do, right? We have those understandings in the back of our mind, whether or not we're acting on it every day. But when our children become adults, they leave and they go off into the world and they recreate the same cycle. Sometimes, you know, they go get married, they have children. 
They go through the same thing. We're still stipulated on this obligation theory until we leave the nest. And then where's the choice? And so that's where a lot of these conundrums developed for me. I don't owe my parents a relationship once I am an adult. Once I figure out really who I am and who I've always been, once I really strip down to the true naked person that I am after years of being formed and developed into possibly what my parents wanted me to be, don't I have a right to choose whether or not I continue relationship with my parents? So let's consider this in the animal kingdom. Not all children stay with their, their parents. They leave. They leave the nest, they fly away, and they never return again. But with us, we have all of these conditions and constructs that convince us that blood is thicker than water, that family is everything, that family is forever. And that may be true for a lot of people. And if that's the case, I, I applaud that, I praise that. But for many other people, when we leave the nest and we start developing and we start walking our own path, we start to see that maybe the relationship that we once had wasn't the one we wanted to maintain. And a lot of parents don't want to let go of their authority. They don't want to let go of their control. They don't want to let go of the role. I am your mother. I am your father. Yes, but that's not all you are. And just because you are my mother, my father, doesn't mean I owe you anything, doesn't mean that I am obligated to still remain in your life if you treat me like shit. And that's kind of where all of this cascades for me, right? This is where I start to re-examine what is a relationship supposed to look like? Well, it's supposed to start with choice. God doesn't want me to have a relationship with God unless I choose it. God doesn't want us forced into it. God doesn't want us to fear a consequence if we don't. God wants us to choose God. I chose my husband. He chose me. Every day we wake up, we continue to choose one another. Yes, we chose to have children. But the mentality that I owe them, the parenting and the treatment and the love, no. That has to come off the table. I don't owe it to them. I chose to be open to whatever would grow from the love that I chose to engage in with my husband. Too many times I have been in relationships out of obligation. And what ends up happening is they feel transactional. And transactional relationships aren't bad in themselves. They can be beneficial. Temporary relationships and connections that benefit both people involved that result in growth and change and new understanding. If those are temporary, that's okay because nothing in life is forever. But sometimes transactional relationships start feeling like the creditor and debtor. And that can be toxic. And if we feel in the back of our minds, that we still owe a relationship to someone that treats us that way, we have to stop and pause and ask ourselves, is that how we feel for all relationships that we interact with? And if that's the case, has that been healthy for us? Has that been positive? Has it been beneficial? Has it helped us grow? 
Or does it cause stress? Does it cause pain? Does it cause humiliation and shame? I don't know. But what I do know is I caught myself using that authoritative statement because I'm your mother. Because I'm your mother doesn't mean shit. Because I'm your father doesn't mean shit. That is an irrelevant statement to make that I think is just a way to justify somebody refusing to change their behavior for the good of the relationship, which I've experienced. And here's the thing. For years, my sisters and my mother, my in-laws, they constantly told me I had all of these problems, all of these behavior issues, my attitude was poor, blah, 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 blah. You know what happened? I started listening to them and I decided that maybe it was time for me to consider that they could be right and that I was the one that was wrong. In a lot of ways, they were right. There were a lot of things I needed to work out. I had a lot of kinks. I was a stumbling block to myself because I let my ego tell me that I deserved to be a certain way because of their treatment. But when you really start to peel back what you believe about God and what you want to imitate based on what you believe about God, you do have to lay down and look at yourself in the mirror and go, am I really living that out loud? Am I acting that? Is that does my behavior reflect what I believe? Mine wasn't. So I had to change stuff. And then when I started changing things, I decided that the types of relationships that I wanted to participate in were comfortable with my change or at least accepting of it and understanding of it. And it turned out that close family members of mine were not. And I know why that is. When we see someone else change, it confronts us in a way that our true self starts whispering down deep, maybe I have something to change too. And our ego doesn't want to hear that, right? We have a lot of stuff a lot of stuff from a long experience that we're always going to be working out and re-examining and reconfronting and rehabilitating. But when other people do it before us, it makes us feel inadequate. It makes us feel like we're not stepping up to the plate. It makes us feel like maybe we're lacking. And instead of choosing to see that as a possible truth, we reject it because it hurts because it makes us feel uncomfortable. I get that. I understand that. But that doesn't mean that people should stop growing and changing just because it makes you uncomfortable. Because when we do that, then we're obliging the relationship again. We're, we're doing what we feel like we're supposed to do for the relationship, what we owe the relationship, and then everybody gets stuck. And I decided not to do that. I decided, look, I get you're stuck, but I can't be stuck anymore. And so you break away from the relationship. And my children broke away from a relationship with me. But in the end, they turned around and chose me. And in the end, that's what I want for any relationship that I have disconnected from. Should I choose to rehabilitate it? Should I choose to repair it? It relies on the choice aspect. And what that means is I acknowledge that because I choose to enter into a relationship with you, I'm not going to try and control you or the relationship. I can only control myself. I'm not going to try and control the way you respond to me. 
I'm not going to tell you how your emotions should be. I'm just going to take you as you are, work really damn hard to understand who you are, and make the most of it. And if one day I choose not to participate in that relationship with you anymore, so be it. And I have to allow that for others. If someone chooses to stop participating in relationship with me, I have to accept it. Sure, I'm going to want to ask questions as to why. I'm going to want to figure out what the hell I did. And that's a good good way to resolve the end of a relationship, to ask questions. I've heard it said before where this idea that when we have a, a when we go through an end of a relationship, we should kind of provide feedback of the overall experience and let a person know, you know, what was hard for us to deal with, what someone could work on, and what the positive highlights were, kind of like an exit review. That That's not what I'm asking for right now. Right now, I'm asking for us to consider that a really healthy, meaningful relationship operates outside the bounds of obligation. And truthfully, for Christians wanting to follow that path of Jesus that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like that's kind of what's articulated in the Bible. That's what a relationship should look like choice. You know, Jesus doesn't say you must follow me. He says, follow me. And that's kind of what we have to leave open for relationships. If you want to be a part of this journey with me, come along. And if you don't, that's fine. But I'm not going to condemn somebody because they choose not to participate in relationship with me. The best thing I can do for myself, if I'm really concerned about those who reject relation with me, I can ask myself what part I'm playing in this. But we don't really like to do that because we're perfect and we don't do anything wrong. And we have this relationship thing figured out. It's other people who mess it up, right? Well, no, we're all responsible for our parts in the relationship. And that's something that, you know, We choose, I think, to ignore. We don't want to admit that part because that means I have to change something about myself that I've gotten really comfortable with or that's become habitual to me. A program, if you will. Something that just works because my life consists of what it is and I think it's because of the way that I am. And now if I change the way that I am, what will that mean for the rest of my life? And so there's that consideration of path of consequence, and I get that. But when we want to engage in a healthy relationship, we can't make those sacrifices. We have to really do the hard work. We have to really observe that we all play a role individually in everything that we do, and we are responsible. We don't like to take accountability, and that, I think, perpetuates chaos, honestly. So when I picked up this book called More Than Two, A Practical Guide to Ethical Polyamory by Franklin Vu and Eve Reichart, inside was this little pullout poster, and it's called The Principles for Ethical Relationships. So the axioms are, the people in the relationship are more important than the relationship. And the second one is, don't treat people as things. And then the Bill of Rights goes on to say, You have the right without shame, blame, or guilt in all intimate relationships to be free from coercion, violence, and intimidation, to choose the level of involvement in intimacy you want, to revoke consent to any form of intimacy 
at any time. To be told the truth, to say no to requests, to hold and express differing points of views, to feel all of your emotions, to communicate your emotions and needs, to set boundaries concerning your privacy needs, to set clear limits on the obligations you will make, to seek balance between what you give to the relationship and what is given back to you, to know that your partner will work with you to resolve problems that arise, to choose for yourself whether you want a relationship that is monogamous or not, and to seek partners who want the same thing as you do, to have agreements respected, and to have the option of renegotiating agreements that are no longer working, to grow and change, to make mistakes, and to end a relationship. So these are your rights in a relationship. And yes, the premise of the book is surrounded on polyamory relationships, but it is through this Bill of Rights, this Principles for Ethical Relationships poster, that I really started seeing more emboldened of truth behind the idea that relationships are not about obligations, okay? And when we make them about that, we destroy the foundation of the relationship. And because relationship and understanding relationship and understanding how we relate to humanity and God is very important to me, I kind of want to make sure I get all that right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm always willing to stop, even if I react first, and it's upon reflection later, to pause, if you will, and ask myself, is there any truth to what I'm being accused of? Because when we're not willing to see that it's possible that what we're being accused of might be true, we make it difficult to hold ourselves accountable because we refuse to see ourselves as anything but perfect and righteous and dignified and justified in what we're feeling. And so when our feelings are telling us that we have authority to demand that this relationship go the way we want it to go, where's the free will? Where's the choice? There's no consent. There's, we're not leaving space for people to say no to requests. We're not holding space to hold and express differing points of views. We're certainly not communicating everything properly of our emotions and needs. And we've set too stringent of boundaries. And we have no limitation on the obligations that we demand or are willing to make. And that takes us away from the possibility of balance between what we give to the relationship and what is given back to us. And that makes it harder for us to trust that our partner will work with us to resolve problems that are arise or anyone that we're in a relationship with. If we can't revoke consent to the relationship or to any form of intimacy or demands of intimacy within a relationship, we're not free. And if we're not free, we can't love. So we need to be free to love. And love is not an obligation, but inner divine desire that we work towards animating through positive, healthy, connective, intimate relationships that don't force us, that don't control us, and that don't coerce us, and that don't demand too much of us, and that don't demand that we stay in a box that's suitable for the other person in the relationship. So here's where we could all benefit from taking a pause in the relationships. Here's where we can all benefit from pausing and examining our relationships and the way that we participate in them. Let's ask ourselves questions. 
Do I feel obligated to this relationship or have I chosen this relationship? Is this the relationship that gives me the space to communicate my emotions and needs? Is this the kind of relationship where boundaries can be set concerning my privacy? Is this a relationship that allows me to grow and to change and to make mistakes? Can I hold and express differing points of view in this partnership and relationship that I am in? If we're not hearing a yes to those questions that we ask ourselves, it's time to consider if we're making the relationship more important than us or the other person. And I mean, let's be honest, sometimes we are the ones that cling to the relationship, to the control and to the authority over it. Maybe it's time we ask ourselves if we're creating the space for other people to make mistakes. Are we giving space and security to the other person in the relationship where we're telling them either verbally or not that we're willing to work with them to resolve problems that arise? Are we willing to keep the relationship balanced? Are we giving to the relationship what is given back? Are we giving too much or too little? Relationships are tricky and there are so many different routes that we take toward relationship that aren't always healthy, but in the end, give us what we think we're looking for, which is some kind of security and a need. But the truth is, if we're not choosing the relationship, and if the relationship isn't bringing something good out of us or the other person or for all of humanity, we should ask ourselves, why am I in this relationship in the first place? Maybe it gives a little truth to what Jesus talked about, what's written in our Bible. Genesis really sticks out for me. When I think about the last 15 years of struggle I've had with my husband and this idea that his family was making him choose them over me, but the Bible clearly states, I'm not trying to use the Bible as an authoritative device here, but I just like to hearken back to it once in a while to remind those steadfast in their good Christian morals and values that it says this is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Our parents have a hard time accepting that sometimes, especially if they hate who we choose to love. But when we get caught up in even observing something like that, we have to ask ourselves, if I'm not free to love somebody that my parents wouldn't choose for me, Am I really free to love? Probably not. There's also another verse that sticks out to me that reminds me that sometimes we have to look at those obligatory relationships and either disconnect from them or disrupt them in a way that we can transform them and make them good and filled with love and beneficial to us. And I don't know if you're familiar with this verse, Matthew 10:34, but it's one that I see a lot of people use And it has a different meaning for me. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And maybe honestly, I use this verse a little bit just to reconcile 
the disconnections I had made. And I know that we do that a lot when we go through what we call a religious deconstruction. We use these verses to reconcile what it is that we might be experiencing or participating in. But I just look at it as a form of realizing that there's a point or a phase in our life where we break away from the relationships that are either obligatory or that we've grown a dependency on. When we become dependent in a relationship, we lose ourselves. And the goal here is to find yourself, to find life. Whoever loses their life will find it. So we lose the old life that we had. We lose the old set of relationships that we had. We break them down. We pull them apart. And if we so choose to, we try to rebuild them. Sometimes that isn't always the case. Sometimes the bridge is shot and you can't rebuild it. And we just have to part ways. We still take a lot from those relationships that we're no longer in. As I've seen and as I've experienced, the relationships you have disconnected from, even the ones that created a lot of, a lot of drama and upset, they taught you something. They impressed things upon you that helped you realize and see what you needed for you to be healthy and whole and integrated and embodied, right? We can go back to these people from time to time and see if they're ready to invite us back in and participate in a relationship of choice that is not reliant on me depending on you or you depending on me. And if that's the case, try and grow it with love. But if it's not, do not cling. Let go so you can grow. 